I'm like in this place I've never seen before. And this doctor comes in and he's like talking to me and he's like telling me you're in Philadelphia, you're at an outpatient, outpatient center now. And, you know, you sustained these very track, you went to a track, had tragic injury. And I'm like, I don't know what he's talking about. I'm like confused. And I look in the mirror and I see I had this big scar on my head and it's like, it's all staples. And then like kind of just sinks in like, this is really happening. I don't know what's happening, but this is real. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast presented by Spartan Combat. This is your host, Ryan Warner. Our guest today is Richard and Gina Perry. Richard was a multiple 10 national qualifier for Bloomsburg and then went on to have a stellar career on the freestyle scene. He was the 2014 Bill Farrell champ, fifth at the 2016 Olympic trials, was on the national team in 2018 before he sustained a crazy injury in August of 2018 that you know changed his life forever. And this conversation is, I would say, half wrestling and half talking about the incident and how Richard and Gina have responded since. So I hope you enjoy it. Fan of the week goes to a recent Apple podcast review. We got Roughneck165, five-star review. Not just wrestling content, but life content. My go-to and the only wrestling podcast I listen to. Can't get enough. Keep up the great work, Ryan. Thank you so much for the review, and thank you to everyone who's left an Apple podcast review. We really appreciate it. Last but not least, folks, this episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Go to athleticgreens.com slash WCML to take advantage of this special offer, five free travel packs, and a one-year supply of vitamin D droplets. For those of you who don't know, Athletic Greens is your nutritional cheat code. Throw away the vitamins, take one scoop of Athletic Greens, put it in a glass of water, mix it up, it tastes delicious, and you have your daily allotment of vitamins and minerals. AthleticGreens.com slash WCML to support this podcast. And without further ado, folks, let's give it up for Richard and Gina Perry. Peace! All right, folks, we have the the Perry family here on the podcast. Welcome, guys. How are we doing? Good. Excited to be here. Excited to be here. How are you? Doing good. Richard, let's start with this, man. I heard when you first tried to get involved with wrestling, you told your coach that you were going to be NFL player, man. You had no interest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Tell so, me about your uh, entry. So in high school, my freshman year football coach was also the wrestling coach. Um, and he coached me through freshman year football. And he was like, you should try wrestling. You know, it really help your football and really develop you for football and I think you're really good for you. And I was like, no, it's okay. I'm going to go to NFL. I don't need wrestling. Kind of just brushed them off. But thankfully coach Fall was very persistent. I mean, every time I saw him, he would ask me, let's try wrestling. You'd be really good at it. It would really help you. And every time I saw him, he would ask me, I'd just be like, no, no, thank you. I'm okay. And kind of brush him off. But he was very persistent and never like let up on me. And it was sophomore year. I made it, I made a bet with him. I made a deal with him. If you stop talking to me about, if you stop asking me to join the wrestling team, then I'll, I'll try as a junior. And he's like, okay, and we shook on it. And after that, every time I saw him, I thought, I thought he was going to bring it up. He never brought it up. 
okay, maybe he got the idea. I don't want to wrestle. But and again, the whole sophomore year, every time I saw him, I thought he was going to bring it up. He never brought it up. And junior rolls around, and the football season starts happening, and we get to that open mat time of the year, like middle of November, and he was like, all right, Rich, we're having open mats coming up in a week. I'm going to see you there, right? And I'm like confused, like, what are you talking about? And he reminded me of our, our deal. I was like, remember what you said last year? If I stopped asking about wrestling, you'd come out as a junior. Junior year is here, so I'll see you there, right? I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to hold up the end of my deal, and I'll be there. And when I got there, a lot of my teammates were already there, and so it was like a lot of guys I, I knew were doing it, so that made it like feel like, okay, let me try this out. And I tried it, and I fell in love with it. And it's crazy to think about if you wouldn't have listened to him and gone out for wrestling, like, man, what a different journey, you know? I know. Totally different journey. Like, who knows where I'd be at right now, you know? Right. Man. And I feel like that's kind of the, you know, wrestling. I started late, which a lot of people don't start as a junior in high school and have a lot of success, um, mm -hmm. which I feel like starting late really forced me to, like, buy in right away, like, really focus on training hard and doing everything I can to put myself in position to win. Because that first year, I took fourth at States in Connecticut, and I wasn't happy with that. So that following summer, I went to a training camp in, in Edinburgh, and I was trying to do more to be better, and um, ended up doing well at the training camp. And um, I think just co the coach, Coach Fong saw that I was being very intentional about what I was doing that summer. and was mm -hmm. like, you know what? I'm going to make you our captain next year because you're showing you want to be a leader and you're showing you putting the time in before this season. So um, he made me a, a captain that year and ended up winning a state title my senior year. Um, That's crazy. You know what that does to the rest of us who have wrestled since kindergarten when we hear something like that? You just, <laughs> well, you just walk out like, the room, you're done with it at that point. <laughs> I feel like for me, I would like wrestle guys at the beginning of the season and they would like, I'd beat them or they would beat me and be very close. But you know, come towards the end of the season, I'm like kicking their butts. I'm beating them pretty easily. But I feel like starting so late allowed my trajectory of improvement to like be very fast very yeah, yeah, very, very fast tracked. And I can improve can improve a lot quicker. And someone who's wrestling since they were five years old, they have these long term ingrained habits. Yeah. You know, I'm a I'm a fresh canvas, you know. You're teaching me, I'm learning it for the first time. You know, I'm not like you know, I, I don't have to unlearn anything. I'm just learning Straight up, which I think that, that helped me a lot. And I understood that. So I was like, understand, okay, they're beating me now, but I continue to work and I get better and I'll get them in the end of the year. And that's what would happen. And like, yeah. guys like confused. Like, I beat this guy earlier in the year. Like, how is it? Am I losing to him now? And I'm like, you know, that's how, that's how, how it goes. How it goes. Yeah. <laughs> now, when you got, yeah, yeah for them. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you got to Bloomsburg, you were, fully bought in at this point. And I had heard you said in a past podcast, uh, the wrestling Philly podcast, actually that at Bloomsburg, you guys were wrestling all year round. It's like, what was it like your first six months kind of getting situated and acclimated to that world? So after my senior year, um, I didn't get any of the offers for wrestling or for football that I, that I thought I deserved because my grades weren't the best. Um, I didn't take academics really seriously until I was a junior because of wrestling. So wrestling, like it changed a lot of my mentality, not just, on the map in the classroom and thankfully I was I changed it as a junior where I was able to pivot and I didn't get the offers that I thought I, I deserved so I mm -hmm. went to a postgraduate postgrad school did a year postgrad at high in Woodstock in Connecticut which gave me another year to wrestle um for high school I was like a second senior year I wrestled for high school second senior year and I won states again um I took third at prep nationals I lost to Joe McMullen in the semifinals. And I tell the story, I, tell, I shot a high cross with Joe McMullen, and he, like, sat the corner. I'm like, what is he doing? Like, where is he going? He's, like, skewing, 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 and he gets the two points. I'm like, what just happened? Like, <laughs> being from Connecticut, like, no one ever sat the corner on me. So I was, like, confused and, like, didn't know what was going on. And wrestling Connecticut come a long way, which um, is doing really well now. But, like, back then, it was, like, sitting in the corner wasn't the thing at 215, you know? Like, right. guys in the city corner and scoot, scoot, scoot to get the two points out. So, Took third at prep nationals, and then um, that year I was co contacting all these schools to like, you know, give um, give them my highlight tape I made, and you know, some interest. And there's a school in Connecticut called Sacred Heart. Um, mm -hmm. That's the only Division One school in Connecticut. And I sent them my tape and emailed them and they called them. And I went on a camp or 
uh, campus tour, mm-hmm. and they were never available. They never contacted me back, so it made it really salty. So I looked at their schedule last year, and I saw who they wrestled, and I looked for the team that beat them the worst, and it was Bloomsburg. So I emailed Bloomsburg uh, uh, an, an interest form, like I'm interested in the school, and 15 minutes later I get a call back from Coach Dutzman. What's up, big dog? It's Coach Dutzman. How you doing? <laughs> we're here at Bloomsburg University, and we got your 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 form. We were interested in co- contacting you. We'd love to get you down here on a visit. And we started talking, um, and I went down there on a visit. I fell in love with just their the community, the culture, their Grind. the grinding. They bought into like we we work hard here. We don't cut corners. We're here to work hard, and that's how that's what separates us from the path. Yeah. yeah. Wow, it's awesome to hear that. I, I love this this the snubbing by uh by Seton Hall and getting you fired up to go yeah. to Bloomsburg. Yeah, Sacred Heart. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Sacred Heart, not Seton Hall. Sorry, Sacred Heart. Yeah, that's all good. I would actually I was I was researching and I was looking at my notes this morning. I'm like Seton Hall is wrestling. I'm like, but I must have wrote that. I must have wrote that down wrong. Um, so once you you know make this incredible progression from you starting late, four year Division One wrestler, five you consider the red shirt. Then you really kind of have your breakout on at the Bill Farrell when you cut down yeah. to 86 in, in 2014, I think it was. Did you always know you were going to wrestle freestyle after college? So, again, like you said before, we wrestled all year round. So after nationals, it's like what's next in wrestling, which is freestyle season. So to give our guys something to focus on, we wrestled freestyle in college. And, again, I wrestled at 97 kilos. Because cut down to, I think it was 85 or what it was before 86 mm-hmm. or 84. Just didn't make sense as a 197 pounder. Cut down to 180, 85. Just kind of doesn't make sense for your, you know, what you're focusing on, which is like college season. Mm-hmm. So I bumped up to 197 or two or 97 kilos, and which is like 215. I was always undersized. Um, never felt like I could really break through because the guys like J.D. Berman and, you know, Kil- Dustin Kilgore or, those guys are huge. Like they're huge people that like move around and like trying to beat those guys like undersized is like a tall task. Um, so after my senior year, I decided that I wasn't done wrestling. Me and my wife, we talked about it. And I was like, I didn't accomplish things I wanted to accomplish. You guys met in college? college? I was going to ask, what did yeah. you guys meet? Okay. So yeah, you're we met in college. We're in the same school. Yeah. Beautiful. 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 Yeah. It was, go Bloomsburg. Was, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go Bloomsburg. Such <laughs> a place. Um, we met in college, and um, I, I talked to her at the end of my senior year. I was, I'm not, I'm not happy with what, what I accomplished, and I want to continue wrestling. And so she was like, "Yeah, let's." She was bought in. She's like, "Let's do this as a, as a family, and we can do this. I believe in you, and let's get this done." So I coached for a year at American in 2015, um, and I, I wrestled also. Um, you were like coaching and training. Coaching and at training, the same time. yeah, at the same time, which was kind of what people were doing back to the RTCs were a thing. That's the grind we days, coaching, man. The gr- hell yeah, the grind days, the, the real grind days. But they made you. Yeah, they made me who I am today, so I appreciate them. Um, but for the Bill Farrell, yeah, so I wrestled the Bill Farrell, what was that 2014? Mm-hmm. 2014, um, ended up winning that, which was amazing. Uh, beat some really good guys there. Um, Olympic silver medalist. Olympic silver medalist from Puerto Rico. Um, I'll brag on him. He's really humble. <laughs> so Perfect. All the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good tournament. Um, had a really good showcasing. I think for 86, so I cut down to 86 after 2014 because I was done. So I didn't have to like worry about college weight. So I was like, where am I going to be competitive at? And again, 86 was like, I think you'd be competitive here. So let's go down. We cut down, which was really hard. I never cut weight before. Like, you know, I'm a guy that like eats a sandwich before weighing in. I was always underweight. 97 wasn't a hard cut. I had to miss one meal for 97. But so not only did you win state after wrestling one year, you're also not cutting weight. You're the other guy on the team. <laughs> we're like, this guy's eating all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was me. Gina, what was he like when he started cutting down? Was he surly or did he keep a good attitude? No. So Rich was always, and he still is, he's just always just this happy-go-lucky guy, right? Like he always has this big megawatt smile on his face. That didn't change. I mean, you didn't have to cut a ton of weight. It was, it was basically like watching what you're eating and knowing that your food fuels you. Yeah. So like making healthy choices. He was Mm -hmm. definitely not like his roommates in college who were cutting weight before every tournament, every match. And 
they were yeah not not the best yeah. <laughs> not no, the nicest, I should say. that sounds like uh, it's funny the way you phrase it like that though that's how like how you how you sell it to someone like if you got to sell a weight cut to your mom in high school it's like mom i'm basically if i just trim out this i trim out that i'm basically not even cutting <laughs> And then uh, next yeah. next thing you know, she's she's duct taping the plastics on. So yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I had, of, I had a couple of those days too, where I had to wear plastics, and I'm like, okay, this is not, this just sucks. <laughs> but once now, I made that, once I made the official weight, the first weight cut, it kind of just fell off after that. The weight cut after it was just like easier to make. Yeah, and I understand, like you said, you were doing the the year at American, where you're you're driving a couple hours, you're coaching, you're wrestling, just you know, insane long days. How does the great Roger Reyna get on your radar? So I was coaching and training at American for a whole year, and I was commuting every day, two and a half hours to American. I'm like about 5.45, have my backpack the night before, brush my teeth, get dressed. I'm there by 6.15, trying to beat all the traffic in Baltimore and D.C., get to work about 8.30, right to a right to a individuals workout with what with what I was in charge of 74, 84, 97 heavyweight. Those four weights were my weight. So I was working out from when I walked in the door, got three get three individuals in, then I get my workout, my practice in, and I go right into the team practice. I'm really working out the whole time oh I was there. Yeah, it was like a it was like a five hour, it was like a six hour workout. So um you were making up for all those missed years yeah you know i was I mean? for sure like he was catching up to those guys that's I what was, it was for sure i was <laughs> get a lot of mat time exactly. man and I, and I would say that kind of that like got old i it came around february and i was just like spent it was like it was hard to like do that for a long sustainable time and at that time kilgore had came to Penn to train and I was on the scene. Uh, I won some. Tour- I did well some tournaments and um, won the Bill Farrell in 2014. And so they knew I was in the area. It was Brian Dolph was a coach. Then reached out to me and was like, "Hey, we have Dustin Kilgore now." And I wrestled Kilgore earlier when I was in college um, for for freestyle nationals. Um, I think University Nationals. Okay, that's two out of three. And uh, he beat me. Uh, two out of three times and so they kind of knew we've had some history so they invited me over to train with him because i guess slay was on was out of country coaching and they want to get kilgore some good training partners so i went to penn to, to train with kilgore um and then it turned into like a recruiting trip where they were like showing me the showing me the pen the prtc like talking about like what it's about and you know how great their their, their high hopes for it and what they hope it could be and and support the support around it. around it and the community around it, which is like really intriguing. And, you know, I was at the point where I was like, I can't commute two and a half hours one way and continue to train. And I also can't, you know, I'm, I'm training guys and I'm training myself. It's like, when do I let my guys, you know, start having success against me? I can't just be beating them the whole time. Right. Because they need, they need to have their confidence built up. And I felt like I was at that, like, you know, what do I do that crossroad? And I think God gave me this opportunity to go to PRTC and train there and see their facilities and kind of feel their culture there. Really like let's, let's transition, you know, to full-time training because again, I can coach when I'm done wrestling, but I can't wrestle forever. Right. So we talked, I talked to Gina and we were like, one is closer. It's an hour train right away, which cuts my commute down way a lot. So, (laughs) It just made sense, and I'm focusing on training full time, and they're talking about giving us health insurance, and as an athlete, and like a lot of like a lot of these things that you don't get as an athlete when you're training full time. Training full time, yeah. so we were like, let's do this. Let's focus on you know my career for this short period of time because again, it's not really that long of a period of time. You get one cycle, two cycles, yeah. right? I always feel like Jordan to go like three or four cycles. Y'all can't yeah. do that. So I know we're living amongst like the Tom Brady, Jordan Burroughs era. And it's yeah. like, I know it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, so once you got come... there, once you got there, what kind of relationship did you form with coach Reyna? Um, He was, so he wasn't the coach at the he time. He was the executive director. So, um, Brian Dolph was my coach and he was a good, good coach. And, um, it was right before 
the open or right before the 20, trials? I forget. 2015. Yeah. 2015. Um, I think it was in April where Dolph left. Yep. Dolph left. In and April, Roger had to step in. And Roger stepped into the PRTC coach, um, which I'm beyond grateful for that because we were Dolph, Dolph was a great coach, but we were very nervous because you're having a, a coach switch like right before the biggest tournament of your of the year. And we're like, what do we do? And um, and uh, Coach Renner comes in, and you know he's really he's really like thoughtful with how he coaches. He's really like, mm-hmm. that's intentional. Let's get let's get let's get a goal sheet going. So we got a goal sheet going. Like, what's your goals? Like, where do you want to be in one year? We want to be in five years, and where do you want to be next month? So we did that. Wrote my goals down, and how are we going to get to your goals? So we wrote goal plan you know how are we going to obtain these goals and what like that's going to take every day to get these goals um accomplished and that really helped me like visualize and like see if i do this every day i'll get there and that really helped me i think as a as an athlete but also as a person like the importance of goal setting is like really important and having a long-term goal and a short-term goal is very important and like having steps to get to those goals like it's one thing to have a goal with no steps but it's like if you have steps to get to those goals you can measure it every day yeah that really helped me with that and it's crazy how many coaches don't take the time to do what you just said they're like that simple process of like a goal sheet and like a plan like coach rain is he's the best so it doesn't surprise me at all he does that but yeah like man like how many times do you work with a coach and they don't sit down just do that basic step it's almost like a like a middle school level thing but you should be doing it every level you know yeah for sure i agree yeah we and we do it now at Penn too like we have our guys sit down and we all you know have a goal sheet and we all go through it and you hold each other accountable yeah. to make sure that you're hitting those goals. Yeah, you're and, and again, it's now it's not, now it's not just me just thinking about it. Now it's everyone I'm training with. They know what I want to accomplish, and they can like hold me accountable. They can push me, and they can see when I'm slacking or cutting corners. They can like say, "No, don't do that. Let's do things the right way, so I can accomplish these goals." They can remind me. Yeah, that's what you want to accomplish. So you say you want to do that. let's do the right things. Yeah, really good. Now it's a uh, man like. Coach Rain, I've just met him uh, over the past couple of years, and I just love that guy. Like he just yeah. like like you said, like he's so thoughtful and like he doesn't waste a word. Like there's never any filler <laughs> words. He's just so no. on it, man. Like God, I love that guy. Yeah, he's a great um, guy. Fantastic. So yes, yeah, very so genuine. genuine. Yeah, like anything you need, you know. And yeah. uh, he's just he's fantastic and he's very a servant heart. Like he's there to sort of serve you and to help you any way he can. I turn to him and say, "What's up, Coach?" He's like, "I was like, how you doing?" He's like, "Better now that I see you. Every time I see him, I'm like, oh, yes, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome." And like, uh, yeah. So he came back in what 2017, 2018 to Penn, and uh, he's he's doing awesome. And uh, you yeah. know, BJ Futrell, who I grew up with, he's out there right now, and just uh, yeah. Mara Call, the whole as they call it, the movement. I don't want to yeah, get, I don't want to offend sure. any uh, Philly fans here. The movement is exciting, <laughs> and man, it's. It's such a community. I just love it. You know, the, uh, you got, you got the, uh, the modern family doing their thing. You got, you know, that's beat the streets. You got the RTC, you got Drexel and Penn wrestling. So it's very exciting. And we're going to come back to some of your, some of your matches in your career. But, you know, when you're going through your movement, uh, you know, you wrestle at the Olympic trials, you have an epic match with Dick, which we're going to come back to because it's just action packed. <laughs> and then yeah, and then twenty. When did you have the wrestle off for true third for the national team with Downey? Twenty eighteen. Yeah. Okay. Tell me about that one because I heard that was a moment where you're doing some soul searching before that match. Oh yeah, it was a moment where because I was planning on you know my eyes are set on Taylor. Like we're getting Taylor, we're going to get it done this time because I've had a close match with Taylor in Paris and I felt like I was able to be able to beat him. So. You know, I was ready for that opportunity to go wrestle him again, best two out of three at um, Panel X, and wrestling the World Team Trials, ended up losing to um, Nick Renan from NC State, best two out of three. And I got the call. I was like, they said, Pat Downing wants to wrestle for a true third. And at this point, I'm just like so distraught. And I'm like, you know, I was like focusing on Taylor so much that I was just like, and my, I might my, my as well be done now. You know, I was like, let's just hang up the shoes. I'm just so like beaten down and I didn't get what I want. So I was just really upset. And you were lost was, for a little bit. Was it was scary. Lost. It was the first How time. How bad, Gina? Him. How bad? Yeah. I mean, it was the first time where I saw him like 
that megawatt smile wasn't there. You mentioned wrestling to rich and he just lights up. Right. And this was the first time where you mentioned wrestling to rich and he's, he's like, Oh, I don't know. You know, cause you could see it. He's replaying that match in his head. You know, I should have won. I should have done this. I should have, shouldn't have done that. And it was, it was a hard few weeks. Yeah, um, it was leading up to that true third match. And I would say the few weeks leading up, I would just, I, I was like, mentally I was done, but, Physically, I was still going to practice. I was still like doing, doing the things I didn't want to do. I was still showing up to practice, which I felt like helped like by a like, spark a fire in me again. Uh, also talking to Coach Slay and you know having a conversation with him and also my teammates and just kind of uplifting me and, like you know you may not get what you want but get the next best thing God right. It. it was definitely a God moment, and I would say I would say get the next best thing was kind of. Slay's big on like losses don't define you too. Like he lives by that. Yeah, for sure. Share you have to share like that that conversation you had with God, where you were like, where he asked, or it was like he asked, "Who are you doing this for?" Yeah. So there was a time where, after that match, I had a conversation with God, like, and he and I felt like he just asked me like, "Who are you doing this for? Are you doing this for your glory or for my glory?" And that was very convicting because you know I'm a man of Christ, and you know we we walk this this certain walk and I'm sitting here moaning and groaning about a loss that, you know, and may not be that important in like three or four years, but, and I'm like so stuck on this loss and like God has just convicted me and like, who are you doing this for? For your glory or for my glory? And if you're doing it for my glory, just trust me. And that alone was just like, all right, let me, let me keep putting my shoes on and let me just continue to go to practice. Maybe something will, you know, something will click. And I think, I started getting some momentum um, in practice and I was able to kind of recover mentally. And I was working out. So physically I was in really good shape and got to that true third match and let it, left it all on the line there. Ended up winning, thankfully, praise God. And um, all I can do is point to God, like, hey, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Like, you know, for seeing me through this, like not just through this win, but even before that, like get me to this point where I was able to wrestle and give you the glory. So, yeah. Pretty powerful. I mean, in such a short time from 16, 17 to maybe like 25, 26, like however old you were when that happened, like so much had happened just through wrestling. And like, now you're like at a point where you're like, you're on the national team. Like it's like, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. And it's like 2016, I was a training partner. So I went to the Olympics and I saw the whole process of like what Olympian does and how Olympian can navigate through these through these waters and win Olympic medals. That like really motivated me to like give full effort in all that I do and like really buy in. 2018 was kind of like hiccup where I was like kind of beaten up. And so I've had the highs and the lows of training with the best in the world and also wrestling the best in the world. And um so I've been I've been on the top of it and the bottom of it. So I've been right. kind of through it all. Yeah. You rode the roller coaster. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even like during those tours, like going to the Medved, you know, the, what a legendary tournament, and, and getting a couple medals there over your time. So, like, man, just a just an awesome example of the name of this podcast. Wrestling changed my life. Like, you're the perfect example of that in in such a short window, you know. Yeah. And uh, I think what what's exciting is, you know. When you had this, this, um, and I, I hate to even ask you about it because I'm sure everyone you talked to asked you about the accident, but I want to talk about it only because how you handled it afterwards is like another example of the power that wrestling has and, and like how it just makes people, you know, be able to handle things that are much bigger than a loss, right? Like, um, we recently had some family issues lately. It's like you look at that compared to like a loss for true second on the US national team when 8 million people or 8 billion people don't even know about it. It's like not even comparison, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, there was this famous uh, high school coach in Illinois, Bill Wick, who uh, used to coach uh, legendary teams. And he told his guys, like before they'd walk out for the state finals, he'd look at him and smile and say, there's 7 billion people who are never going to know about this match. Like, don't worry about it. <laughs> and like, it's kind of like, uh, that's so freeing. it's, it's freeing. Like when I first heard it as a kid, I was like, man, that sucks. Like don't downplay the state finals, but now as an adult, I get it, you know, yeah, but yeah, definitely. it is freeing. Cause you can go out there and, uh, you know, without the pressure. Yeah. So, so 2018, you make the world team, you're at a training camp out in San Diego. What happened? And, uh, and then Gina, obviously you, know, you, you can, you can fill in the, in the gaps here, but what, what was the situation? So we were, 
do some cross training with the military in 2018 at the national team camp. And um, we're doing some, some exercises that um, kind of bridge the gap of like how they, they feel wrestling and Marines are similar because we, you know, we were forgetful effort. Um, we really dial in our training and, mm-hmm. um, and we're doing um, some cross training with the Marines. And in this instance, we're doing one training where, we're like hand to hand combat and we have batons and showing us how we can, you know, how you would, you know, address a situation where if you're close proximity with um, a person, you can um, strike, them. strike them with a baton. And we're doing that. And I was you know, doing really well against everyone. And um, so you got a helmet on, you got a jousting stick, and you're kind of like doing some like. Like jabbing with the stick, basically. Some jabbing and some slashing with the okay. stick, and um, so we're they like like it like a mini tournament where, mm-hmm. you, again, you just you keep advancing. You're in the finals. I was in the finals, but going against one of our guys, and we're doing it, and um, he went to to like joust at my head, and I like put my mask down, and he fake joust at my head and like kind of jabbed at my face and the the stick went through the face mask um and broke my over the bone and then my bone went to my brain caused brain damage um I was hospital for ever <laughs> how long were you in the hospital in san diego for um so he, we were in san diego for a month like a an entire month and before we were transferred to philadelphia and then in Philadelphia, he was in um, like a regular hospital for about a week. And then he was in an outpatient facility, um, August, September, October, for like two and a half months. Wow. Uh, yeah. So like our kids, he wasn't home for, I mean, I think it ended up being almost pretty close to four months. Um, and at the time we had three kids, one being a five month old and then, oh a, yeah, and a two year old and a six year old. So he was gone for a really long time. And when he came back, obviously he came back a lot different than when he left um, because he was still, he was able to talk when he came home, but he wasn't talkative. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, so when I was in the hospital in San Diego, um, I had a stroke. So, yeah. So the injury um, caused like severe brain damage. The doctors didn't think he was going to live. Like they didn't think he was going to make it. They literally told me the moment I arrived, like prepare yourself because this is going to be a, a, a hard journey. Um, and I was like, Oh, okay, but we'll get, you know, we'll get through it. And then, then he was like, no, no, no. Like prepare yourself to tell your kids, like dad's not coming home, you know? And that's when I was like, Oh my, like, that's not an, anything you ever <laughs> want to hear. Um, but he, actually was par- completely paralyzed for weeks um and nonverbal obviously and in a vegetative state so like he would open his eyes at some point he was opening his eyes um and he could follow you around the room but he wasn't verbal he wasn't there like there were so many times where i questioned like does he even know who i am um wow yeah you remember yeah, this was- richard or you don't remember anything from san diego i remember anything from san- i remember like doing the sparring and then I remember waking up in Philadelphia in, in outpatient therapy. Weeks Literally later. Like, weeks later. A month later. A month later is like, I'm like, I see videos of myself in San Diego hospital. I'm like, I have no recollection of that or, you know, stuff like that. I'm like, it's just crazy. Like, She's black, gone. it's just gone. It's not now, even like her. Now, Gina, did you have to basically rattle some cages with these doctors to even perform the surgery? Because they weren't yeah. going to do anything? Right. So, I mean, thank God for the wrestling community, because literally every time I felt like I was losing hope or I would doubt like, God, like, is this really the path you have our family on? You know, like, I'm going to trust you, but my faith is like running dry. Someone from the wrestling community would be like, keep fighting, right? Keep that faith. My family went through this and God showed up this way. So he's going to show up for you. Um, And, and he really did. We actually, (laughs) I've never been so bold. I think Rich is always, you know, the one to stand up for our family and, and in a kind way, like he would always 
be like, Gina, like God's got us, just keep going. Mm -hmm. But he wasn't able to say that. He wasn't able to like be the support system I needed. Um, There was a few points, like this happened several occasions throughout that month long journey where doctors would tell me to get a grip that he's not coming back. Um, And then it, one Mm -hmm. time I was in the hospital room with Jose Campo from FCA in California um, and Stephen Neal, who Rich met literally two, like two days before his injury. Um, and they were so helpful, but they were in the room with me and a doctor came in and said, okay, well, we're not going to perform surgery. And I just looked at the doctor and was like, what do you mean? You're not going to perform surgery. And he was like, this is like, this is the rest of his life. And he was at that point, he was laying in a hospital bed, unable to move, not responsive, like couldn't say a single word. Um, and I was like, absolutely not. And he said, the risks are too great. Uh, we can't risk brain surgery. And, you know, you're, it's much better off if we just, if we just leave it like this. Um, and I, yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> what? Like, yes. Um, bedside manner was not, yeah. not at the top of their list. Oh but, my um, God. yeah. So, I mean, immediately I called Tina Slay, um, Brandon Slay's wife in Philadelphia. And I was a hot mess, right? Like I was bawling to her, like, this can't be happening. Like we have to do something. What can we do? Next thing I know, a few hours pass by and someone calls me and says, you know, you have a meeting with the CMO of the hospital. And I was like, I don't even know what a CMO is. So I'm like Googling, trying to figure out, okay, well, what is this guy going to do for me? Right? Like Mm -hmm. I need my husband to get better. And so the next day we go into a meeting and and he said, he, he looked over some things and um, they may have overlooked something. So we can try to have the surgery. We're going to have the surgery um, and we'll see what happens from there. And that's all I needed to hear. Right. Because at that point, like there's a chance that things will get better, but yeah, I definitely had to, um, tell some doctors I know who my God is. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just going to stay focused on him and his promises and he'll get me through this. Yeah. And you have kids at home, you know, cause were you in San Diego for the camp to begin with, or do you fly out only after the fact? No. So that's, it's funny because a lot of the wives were actually going, they went that week before Rich's injury um, and spending time there with their husbands. And I was so sad that I couldn't do that, but we had just had Zeke um, our, who was five months old at the time. And now I'm, thinking back and I'm like, thank God I didn't. Cause that would have been an extra week that I was away from our kids. Mm. Maya and Bo were six and two at the time, right? Six and two. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I was away from them for an entire month and it was, I mean, that was just wow. as hard as going through everything with him, like yeah. being by his side, because it's like, at one point I need to be a mother, but at the other time, like every time I'm saying, okay, can I go see my kids for the weekend? The doctors are telling me you can't leave because he could still pass away at any moment. And it just makes you think like people who don't have that kind of advocacy, like how many times do like medical professionals not go the full mile because they Mm -hmm. don't have that advocacy at, you know, someone demanding to have a surgery. So you have the Mm -hmm. surgery and that's the kind of the beginning of, of your recovery basically, right? Like everything starts from there. Um, Gina, tell me about Joe Russell. Cause I've never mm-hmm. had him on the podcast and people are just awestruck that I haven't. Cause he's amazing and he's such a big wrestling you know, influence and he had an injury in his own right. And I've had his brother on, but tell me about Joe and, and, and some of the conversations you guys had. That's so funny. We were just talking about Joe last night. Yeah, we were. Um, okay. So one, if you've never met the man, you need to like make it a point to hunt him down at the <laughs> open or some tournament get him on here. Yeah, get him on the podcast. He's a guy you gotta talk to. He's incredible. So I've heard stories about Joe Russell, like leading up to this moment, right? Because every tour Rich goes on with Team USA, or um, it's Joe Russell's there basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and so Rich comes back and he tells me all these great stories about this guy Joe Russell. And I met him once in Colorado, um, at the Dave Schultz. And so we're I'm sitting in the waiting room. Rich is back getting like MRIs or CAT scans or something, and Joe Russell comes and he sits down next to me at the, in the waiting room. And he says, I have to tell you something. Um, he goes, I know what you're going through is really difficult. He goes, but if there, I don't know how I ended up where I am today. And I had no idea what he meant because I didn't know like his full backstory, right? Like, um, how he became like the assistant coach for team USA. And he was like, but now I know God put me here for this purpose. So then I'm like dialed in. And he explains that he, when he was in high school, he was in a motorcycle accident and he literally, his brain was on the floor, like 
on the floor. And I know that's graphic, but yeah. that's to it's me, just... like, yeah. I mean, it's as close as you're going to get to what Rich endured um, with his injury. And then to see him sitting there, sitting, talking, holding a conversation. And then I have my husband who's completely, you know, in this comatose state. And the doctors are saying he's never coming back. And then I have Joe Russell there telling me that that's what the doctor said to his family and, you know, and explaining like, Rich hears you, even if he doesn't make a motion or if he doesn't acknowledge you, he still hears you. Like I heard my brother, I heard the doctors. Um, he walked me through what was going to happen, what Rich was experiencing, at least from his, like in relation to what he experienced mm -hmm. during his recovery. Um, so the stories were just so similar and what Joe Russell did that day in, I smile just thinking <laughs> about it, like did in that moment, sharing his testimony and, and how God worked through him and how, despite what medical science can do, God can do so much more. Um, and he just poured that into me and every step along the way. I mean, every time something happened to Rich, I was texting Joe and he would tell me exactly what was going to happen next. Right. So I, I wasn't blindsided. Mm -hmm. Um, it was so, so powerful and so impactful. And it really gave me the hope I needed to like yeah. cling to. Powerful. Now, um, Dan Russell, his brother's been on the podcast. And I mean, and Joe, you know, was like one of the top high school recruits in the country when this happened. And him and Dan were best friends. And yeah, so I mean, and Dan Russell was kind of like you for, for Rich, it sounds like. Like mm -hmm. his brother was like going in there all the time and like communicating. And yeah, it's just a powerful story to hear that. And, and yeah, so- you get back to Philly, you're in the outpatient, basically there. It's like, are they telling you you'll never walk again, Rich? Or like, what's, what's the status there? Um, if you're telling me that I may never walk again and we're going to try to, you know, help you rehab as much as we can. And, um, give me physical therapy, um, occupational therapy and speech therapy. Um, all day, all day, pretty <laughs> much. So training. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So first of all, I like wake up like kind of like in a fog out of a dream. And I'm like, where am I? You know, I'm like in this place I've never seen before. And this doctor comes in and he's like talking to me. And he's like telling me you're in Philadelphia. You're at an outpatient, outpatient center now. And, you know, you sustained these very, um, tra you went through a, tra a tragic injury. And I'm like, I don't know what he's talking about. I'm like confused. And I look in the mirror and I see I have this big scar on my head and it's like, it's all stables. And then like kind of just sinks in like, this is really happening. I don't know what's happening, but this is real. Like what he's saying is real. And like, and then I think you came oh, in. And, so yeah, you didn't just, even know, like you're, you're taking all this in. And like at this time, like, are you, like, could you sit up and walk if you wanted to, or you weren't even close to that? No, I couldn't really move my whole left side. So I was paralyzed on my left side. I couldn't move my left arm, couldn't move my left leg, and I couldn't speak. Well, at that time, when that happened, you were com still completely paralyzed. Like, yeah. that's when, I mean, you were just getting physical therapy to start moving your right side, but wow. you were still completely paralyzed. Yeah. And, wow. and for people who are listening and don't, you know, haven't seen this, you're you're fully functional. You're, 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 you're walking, you're, you're talking. I saw the rehab videos of you skipping down the hallway in the, in the Bloomsburg yeah. sweats. Like, man, yeah, yeah. I love when to hear people like this because like these people at this outpatient facility, they, they're probably used to the, the run of the mill person who just takes yeah, what they say. For sure. A wrestler comes through there and they're like, I don't even know it's what different. to believe with this guy. <laughs> it's like, yeah. is this guy for real? And then sure enough, like you're making rapid progress and, and sure. you're so so you're in the bed. The doctor's telling you this. Like, do you like ever think like like you're sad? Like this sucks. Like, what are you thinking during as you're here? Um, I think I definitely thought all those emotions. They they were like kind of sped out. I was like, this sucks. What's gonna happen? Like, I may never wrestle again. And my biggest thing is like my family. I may never like be able to run with my kids again, or you know, do stuff like that. And that's just really like, really was like hurting me, but. And I made a decision to like throw all of those negative thoughts away and like focus on what I can do. So again, back to that truth or focus on the next best thing, right? Like what can I control? And I can control my effort. I can control what am I doing to get better? Um, attitude. My attitude, like, like Gina was saying, like, I would never 
you know, I try to always be positive. So I'm not going to change that now. Like, this is the perfect time to be positive. It's like, you know, buy in, buy into, try to recover as much as I can. You know, work, what can I control? I can control this. Okay, I'm going to get full effort 100% of the time and see where God takes me from there. And I was doing that. I would like show up to therapies, like ready to go. I was trying to do more and over the top and give a full effort in everything I did. And my, I set a goal. The goal was to walk out of that therapy place unassisted, no canes, no wheelchairs. And that was my goal right from, right from when I started therapy was to walk out of there unassisted. And two and a half months later, I was able to do that. So, yeah. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> now, tell me you went to the therapy with the sweatpants tucked into the socks. Uh, <laughs> well, I... I did it because I don't think I had anyone tuck my sweatpants in my socks. So it wasn't, I didn't do that. No. Yeah, that <laughs> man, was but... my fault. Like, Rich, Rich, Come I should have right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. You know, your teammates were there enough. Like, someone should have taken yeah. that upon themselves yeah, to make so, sure you were. Again, shout out to the community because when there were days when Gina was there, like, every day, but when she wasn't there, I was having some of my teammates would come and visit. Some of the Beat the Streets Philly kids were there to visit. and That was Roger um, Reyna. Yeah. Like Roger, from the moment we arrived in Philadelphia, Roger met me in the hospital and so did BJ and Beza Futrell. Um, like literally it was 11 o'clock at night and that's who showed up at the bedside to wow. like, yeah. So we were never alone. Yeah. Brandon came to make sure when we flew from California to Philadelphia that we weren't alone. Brandon's like, um, his wife, Tina came out prior to that, like during the first few days to help me find somewhere to stay. Like the wrestling community has just been so amazing. But the coolest thing, I think Roger Reyna organized this sheet of all the Drexel, Penn and PRTC and then Beat the Streets, Philly. Um, they would take turns coming in. So Rich was like never alone, yeah. which is very important in recovery because one time Bloom friends from Bloomsburg were visiting and one of the wives, she messaged me and she goes, Gina, how often do you go visit Rich? And I said, I go every day. Every day. Except for, yeah. Except for once a week because we live an hour and a half and then with the kids, it, it was hard. So I would like miss once a week. Rich told her that I was visiting like once a week. So for him, like missing that one day, being alone that one day was like forever in yeah. time you know it, it like seemed like forever so it was really important and meant a ton that roger made sure that there was always someone in there with him yeah. um which was cool to see because then they would send me videos of him when i couldn't be there yeah and they would send videos of like all the guys like the pen and drexel guys encouraging rich to like one more one more rep you know like yeah, one yeah. more step yeah, you know it was like, really cool. yeah it was like hard to get down it was hard to be like to soak when you have everyone cheering you on, everyone's in your corner behind your back and you can do it. Yeah. Never really had a chance to do that, which I think was paramount to my recovery. Like really fast tracked it. Yeah. It's cool because a lot of people don't have that when they're going through recovery. Like, a lot of people are alone out there. Like imagine how much harder it'd be for that. And like, you got the whole wrestling community behind you. What was it like the first time you went back and uh, went to a practice and coached a wrestling practice? It was a newfound appreciation for it, definitely. I was just, like, really emotional. I'm, like, really, like, remember, so I returned around the same time as the Keystone Classic, Keystone Classic which is, like, in November. And I was, like, introduced in the Keystone Classic. So that was, like, really touching, too. Like, I was, I walked on the mat, waved everybody, and, you know, there were telling people my story and stuff. It was really honoring. It was really awesome to wow. have that opportunity to be that done for me. But to be at practice, like, see practice again, it was just, like, really breathed. It was really amazing to be there again. And I still feel amazed to be there today, like, to have this opportunity, like, to be where I was at, to be where I am now, it's just, like, amazing. Yeah. And the first place we went, so we left the inpatient facility and we drove right to Penn. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah right to like a, it was like a welcome home party. Yeah. yeah. They had like a welcome home party at Penn for me. And we hung out with a bunch of my friends, a bunch of my teammates and their families. And it was, uh, beautiful. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And I remember Rich was like, when he came home from his first practice, he was like, I was like, what was different? It's really fast. Yeah. It felt so fast. Cause like being out of it for, you know, that long, also, you know, the brain damage, it's like everything is so much faster. 
And even like being back home with the kids, like it was an adjustment because you have three kids all under seven years old. It's just like they're moving like it's just like chaos. But it's just like Yeah. I gotta get with it. Get with it. You know, you gotta pick up catch up the speed. Pick up the pace. Oh yeah, I'll get yeah. left behind. I'll I can't get left behind, so I had to pick up my speed. <laughs> well, when I hear you mention speed, I can't help but think to that that dig match we were talking about earlier. And and the reason I'm bringing it up now is that I've heard that during your recovery, you will go back and watch that match. And for, for people who don't know what we're talking about, in the quarters 2016, Richard and Dake scrapped to the wire. Richard, <laughs> you're winning most of that match. And you talk about explosion. Man, when you... First of all, at the beginning, you guys were scrapping with some with some yeah, clubs, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, a couple of clubs, dude. You are so lightning fast on some of those <laughs> reattacks, and then the transition to the gut the one time was so fast. I mean, Thank how you. did that? How did watching that match motivate you? You know, after the fact, um, just like to remember to remember where you were at. You know, like where did you come from? Like, and that match I think is very important because you know Kyle Day, he's four time now world medalist mm -hmm. world champion being able to see that and like having that success against him even though i didn't win the match but like having that pocket of success of like you know i was winning in the match and being able to score on him um to show me like you know i was on on track to being you know yeah. pretty darn good so and not only that though but like that's something that no one expected from you yeah, right yeah so to then have these doctors who are saying like he's not going to recover and then for you to like see that match and be reminded like wait a minute no one thought i could do this yeah but i did it right yeah. like i i that's a great point i mean i may be biased i think rich won that match <laughs> it's hey it's a very i, I encourage people to rewatch it because Man, it, it, you were winning most of the match up until the last 20 seconds or so. But to your point, Gina, if you would have said your senior year at Bloomsburg, hey, in four years or three years, you're going to be toe-to-toe -to -toe with the great Kyle Dake, people might have thought you were a little loopy in the head. Oh, you yeah, know, like, sure. They would have been yeah. like, same thing, you know? But yeah. sure enough, man, here you were. And, I mean, it wasn't a fluke. Like, you were on the mix from 14 all the way through 18, and you only had two of maybe the best wrestlers of all time ahead of you. Uh, yeah, Kyle Dake and David Taylor. Like yeah. you see now that they're now that they're out of JB shadow, they're on their own. <laughs> now oh, they're they're, they're four-time world champs themselves. It's like, yeah, geez, it's crazy. So I just love hearing about it, and it's a, it's an inspirational story. And um, I remember hearing about it when it happened, but it's so great to to chat with you guys now about it. And, and Gina, point to that is, go ahead, sir. I would say another point to that is in that match, there was a, 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 an exchange where. There was blood time, which it was pretty long. It was like a minute of blood time, which allowed me to like kind of soak in like the what was going on. I saw I was winning, and I saw there's a minute and a half left, and and it it kind of changed how I was wrestling. Mm. So I think I would also it changed how I wrestled. I stopped being offensive. I was more defensive. Let me hold him out. So Kyle Dick, you never want to just try to hold Kyle Dick out. He's going to pin his ears back and come with a hundred attacks. And I would say, I think it's kind of how it was the recovery. It's like, you know, finish strong, finish strong. You know, don't just hold out. You know, give everything you have, full effort the whole time. And that's kind of how the recovery is finishing strong all the way through everything I did. I didn't catch that part. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, that's a... It's funny how that happens sometimes, right? You, you even now as a coach, I'm sure you watch it. Like you watch a match from afar, and a guy dominates the first five minutes, and he puts the brakes on and loses in the last two seconds. Like it happens. Yeah, and now I remember like going back to the center because like I was wrestling, and I remember the moment I started to like kind of get heavy in my stance and like go one leg straight back and like just like be defensive. He's like, I think Kyle could smell the blood, <laughs> the blood in the water like a shark. You know, he's like, okay, I'm gonna get this guy now. Yeah, and that's kind of just happened, kind of just tip, tip, tip the way. I mean, I was just like, now where I wanted to be at. Well, it's an amazing match, and and the wrestling itself, like if you remove the refs, the wrestling itself is amazing. If you watch the refs, you scratch your head at some of the points are thrown up at different times. Yeah. And luckily, you got Coach Rain in the corner ready to uh to attack some people if things got oh yeah, control, hold, but, hold uh, the break. Yeah, um, <laughs> but you know, through this whole thing. Gina, maybe you were way into wrestling before this, but you're definitely way into it now. And you're work, you're, yeah. you're right for Intermat. You're working for Beat the Streets, for for God's sakes, one of my favorite organizations. 
And uh, I was talking to Ben Ryder yesterday, and he mentioned you're spearheading an awesome campaign called Gear Up. So I just wanted to see, you know, what what's that all about and what's going down with that this year? Yeah, I'm super excited to be a part of Beat the Streets National. Um, it was an organization that Rich and the PRTC really allowed me to see like firsthand these youth and these kids and, and how wrestling could really change their lives. Um, now I knew how wrestling changed Rich's life, injury aside, growing up in a single parent home, um, coming from a low income, under-resourced community, um, and how his coach saw the potential in him and wanted to bring that out. And that's what our coaches at Beat the Streets do. They want to find these kids, tap into their potential and make them realize that like there's potential there, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can do more than all these limiting thoughts and doubts and fears around you. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited to be a part of this right now. We're currently running the gear up campaign. I don't know if you're heavy on Twitter, but <laughs> things are heating up. Um, <laughs> we have a bunch of teams who, um, I mean, there's some wrestling wives, you have some podcast podcasters, um, just wrestling advocates who are really stepping up and they're branching out and asking their friends and family to help us raise a hundred thousand dollars by December 1st to help gear up 2000 beat the streets youth across the nation. Um, that. and that's all thanks to like our sponsors, uh, ASICS, ResLight, gear to compete and good sports. They're turning a $50 donation into $200 worth of wrestling gear. So headgear, uh, new wrestling shoes and workout clothes. And, hopefully some listeners out there feel compelled to um, go ahead and donate $50 and then that'll turn into $200 of gear um, for our athletes, which as you know, starting them off strong um, and giving them that confidence and stepping onto the mat is going to be that first stepping block for their success later. It's huge. And for anyone yeah. listening, quit being a cheapskate, get the wallet <laughs> out, dust off <laughs> the credit cards. And <laughs> you know, that's what I love about beat the streets. Whether it's Beat the Streets National, Beat the Streets Chicago, like you know, this money is going directly to the kids. Like this is <laughs> these are organizations that are run by professionals. It's not a bunch of uh, washed up wrestlers in a in a garage. Like these guys are legit. <laughs> like, like Mike Powell in Chicago, Ben Ryder in at Beat the Streets National. These are professionals who really know how to do this, and like the impact is insane. So, you know, I really encourage anyone to support beat the streets and you know, beat the streets national is the overarching umbrella and they're leading this charge. So we know how it is to show up in gym shoes to a tournament. You can't do it. You, you, you never wear down the shame. So um, now I'm, I'm happy to talk about, it. I really love what, uh, what Ben's doing at beat the streets national. So you guys have uh just go to beat the streets nationals website to donate. Um, So you can go to beat the streets.org and there's a, bar at the top that has the um, gear up campaign and you can click that and you can donate that way. But if you really want to support, you know, a podcaster or you want to support a wrestling wife um, or any, there's 29 teams. So you, there's 29 people you can support, right? Um, and Got you it. can donate to that team. And again, it's just a fun way. They set a goal. And by the end of December, if they reach their goal, they get a beat the street shirt. They get shout outs on Twitter. They get bragging rights. Um, really my biggest thing about beat the streets is the community, the wrestling community, right? I want these kids, our youth to know that they're, it's not just their coaches in their corner. It's the entire wrestling community in their corner. Yeah. Um, and so I want to build that community out um, by having these mini competitions. Right. And, and then to show these kids, you know, it wasn't just beat the streets national and your coaches raising these funds. It was literally every single wrestling community every single wrestling fan fanatic coaches what like it's a community and you're yeah. a part of that community we got to get a wrestling change my life team going because i want to yeah. i want to i want to put the smoke on allison schwab because i saw her <laughs> uh putting up some numbers and uh i love allison so we got to give she her a little competition yeah she she calls people out i was a little afraid of her i'm glad i'm not competing against her but i will <laughs> tell you Lindsay Beasley husband george mason right yep. yep uh so frank beasley's wife right yep mm -hmm. um she's the one she snuck in there okay yeah she's, turning she's in it second up. place right now mm -hmm. well i'm gonna get a, a a team spun up i know you messaged about me messaged me about it prior so we'll definitely get that going and we'll put links to the uh to the to the gear up campaign in the show notes and yeah i think it's just awesome you know i love uh when people are all in on wrestling and obviously that's you too and 
it's just uh it's exciting to see what the future has in store any last words before we sign off perry family thank you for this opportunity for us to share our story and share to be the streets nationals campaign we appreciate you for that yeah we always just give a big shout out and a big thank you to the wrestling community yeah. um we know that everything you guys did for us and everything you guys continue to do for us and our family and support us and we're gonna we're gonna pay it forward oh That's yeah our plan. for sure Awesome. I, I know I have some takeaways from this. We'll get Joe Russell on and I got to hunt down whoever hands out those sweatshirts because that PRTC. <laughs> <laughs> so people can see. The there it is. <laughs> Brandon Slay, you've been notified. <laughs> <laughs> on notice. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, guys. Have a great day. Thank you, thanks. too. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life with Richard and Gina Perry. This episode was brought to you by Athletic Greens. Go to athleticgreens.com slash WCML to take advantage of a one-year supply of vitamin D droplets and five free travel packs. That's athleticgreens.com slash WCML. For all past episodes, go to wrestlingchangemylife.com. We'll see you next week with a new episode of Wrestling Changed My Life.